Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, and just kind of stick your finger in there, and uh, well, if you, have, if you have a print Bible, put your finger in Hebrews chapter 11, because we're going to be going there a lot today. Um, but, uh, you know, keep, keep that on, uh, on your phone or your tablet or wherever you're reading your Bible from today. Praise God. So we can refer to Hebrews 11. It's important that you see it in written form, praise God, for your, for your own eyes to see it. Praise God. And, and so I encourage you, always, always, always bring your Bible to church. Always, always, always check out what I'm saying and make sure that what you're hearing and what you're receiving is the Word of God. Praise God. Because, uh, you know, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, not by hearing the Word of Pastor Daniel. Praise God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so you want to make sure that what you're hearing is the Word of God. And let Holy Spirit speak to you about what I say today. Hallelujah. Because, you know, I, I'm, from my own personal experience, when I listen to a sermon, Holy Spirit is constantly talking to me about what's being said. Praise God. And the greatest revelation comes by what Holy Spirit's saying to me about what's being said. Praise God. And so I want to encourage you with that today. And, you know, there are times, I shared this with, with Jasmine last night, actually, that uh, um, there have been times that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling to put together a message, and usually my struggle is not that I'm trying to get a message, it's that I'm trying to organize my thoughts so that we're not here for a week, all right? So we're trying to put it together, and that, that's my biggest struggle when it comes to, um, to putting together a message, because, uh, but there are, yesterday, not, uh, yeah, it was yesterday, and I opened up. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and, and I began to read through that 11th chapter, and I kept reading, and I, I've been doing that all week long, going back to Hebrews 11, reading, reading, reading over and over again, and I knew that there was something that the Lord wanted me to see there that I wasn't seeing, 
And then I looked up the definition of a word. And when I looked up the definition of this word, it just exploded on the inside of me. And I knew what the Lord wanted me to see. So I'm going to speak some things to you today. Part of it will be uh, prophetic in, in, its, uh, in, in its content. And uh, so I, I want you to see today uh, some things from Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And we call Hebrews chapter 11 the Hall of Fame of Faith. And so I want you to see some things from the the hall of fame of faith. But I want you to go, first of all, you're holding Hebrews 11. Don't don't close that. But Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 4, it says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Um, and I shared with you two weeks ago that the word his does not appear in there, uh, that it actually should say the just shall live by faith. And the Apostle Paul told us, he said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So we live by His faith, not our own faith, not our own ability to have faith. And if you have found yourself having faith in your faith, then I want to change your mind today. I want you to repent. That's what repentance is, is to change your mind about this. Change your mind about your, your self-effort to have faith in your faith and begin to put your faith totally and completely in the Lord Jesus, praise God, the one who gave himself for you, the one by whose faith you live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul quotes this in in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, we see the just shall live by faith. Praise God. And so when we go to Hebrews chapter 11, let's go there now. And in the first three verses, I want us to read this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, let's, let's see that again. He says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, for many years, I heard this uh, preached. I preached it this way myself, that, that uh, the creation around us, this planet that we live on, the solar system, the, um, you know, the, the planets, the stars, the moon, all the, were, were framed by a word of God, that God spoke them into existence. And while that's true, God did speak these things into existence. And while that is a true statement, that is not what this passage says. If that were what this passage was saying, it would have said 
by faith, we understand that the cosmos was framed by the word of God. The Greek word cosmos refers to the planet, the stars, the moon, etc. Um, the solar system and all. But it does not use the word cosmos. What it uses, what is translated worlds here is actually the Greek word eons. He says, by faith we understand that eons were framed by the word of God. The word eons means this. It means ages or periods of time. So literally, this passage is not talking about the cosmos. It's not talking about the, the, the solar system, and, and, and etc. It is talking about periods of time that were framed by the word of God. Praise God. And then it goes on and says, by faith, we understand that. Why do we understand that? By faith, because none of us were here. When, the, when these things were spoken, but we're going to see it, this is, it, it, it almost seemed a little bit out of, um, out of place to me that he would say, we understand that the cosmos was framed by the word of God, and then we talk about this, this uh, hall of fame of faith heroes and what they accomplished by faith, um, but when we, when we get into this, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Um, he says that the worlds, the eons, the ages, or the periods of time were framed by the Word of God, and literally, I begin to, to, begin to see this uh, and begin to see that these heroes of faith received a word from God, and as they acted upon their faith in the word that God had given them, as they acted upon that, that they framed their time and their place in history. And while that's true, what I want us to see today is that they framed and ordered our time in history. And this is what began to explode on the inside of me as I read through this uh, yesterday, that the, the world, the, our time in history, our place in history was set in order. This is what the word framed means. It means that it was set in order. And part of that definition also is repaired. Now, how many of you remember that I talked to you just a few weeks ago about God's original intent and that God was wanting to bring us back to what he originally spoke over the human race? Praise God. How many of you remember what that was? What did God originally speak over the human race? Let them have dominion. That's right. Let them have dominion. So God originally declared that over the human race. He created man in his image and likeness. And he said, let them 
have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, over all the earth, let them have dominion. And God never changed his mind about his original intent. His intent for you is for you to walk in authority and walk in dominion and walk in a, a level of ruling over this earth, praise God. And he never changed his mind and God will have what he said. Praise God. God will have what he said. Now, Let's look at this again. By faith we understand that these periods of time were framed by the Word of God, were set in order, they were fit together, they were, this definition says they were mended, they were pre prepared, repaired, and restored. Now, when I read that, this is where it exploded on the inside of me, that because of the things that I had spoken to you about God bringing us back to his original intent, he, something happened after God spoke that over the human race. We all know the story of how God said to Adam, he said, you can eat of every tree of the garden, but don't eat of this one tree. And he says, in the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. So something happened there. The moment that Adam ate of the fruit he had been commanded not to eat of, that authority was lost. Adam died spiritually. And so from that moment, God began to work to restore man back to that place. Now, how many know that, that uh, in, in the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, it talks about what is man that you are mindful of him? He's quoting from the Psalms. He says, what, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, but you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, God crowned you and I. He crowned you and I in the person of Adam to be king of this earth, to be ruler of this earth. That's what he created you for. That's what he put you on this earth for. He put you here to rule this place. God never wanted to run this place. He intended for you. He created this for you and I. Praise God. And he intended for us to run this place. But we have not got that revelation yet. But the scripture goes on and says, you crowned him with glory and honor. It says, but, and you have put all things under his feet, but we do not yet see all things put under his feet. But we do see Jesus. That's what the scripture says. We do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Praise God. So God's intent was to bring us back to that place. He says, we do not yet see all things under his feet. 
We do not yet see man rising up and taking his authority. Praise God. Now, how many of you have ever wondered why 6,000 years removed from the fall of Adam, why we do not yet see man walking in the authority that God intended for him to walk in. Anybody ever wondered about that? Why is it taking 6,000 years and we still haven't got this together? Why 6,000 years later are we not functioning like God intended for us to function in the earth? Praise God. I've wondered a lot about that. And, uh, but I want you to see some things here. He says that by faith we understand that this age in time, this period in time, was framed, was set in order, was repaired, was restored by the Word of God. I said God's not trying to get something to you. He's trying to get you to something. He's trying to get you to a place. He's trying to get you to the place that he originally created you for. Hallelujah. Now, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we, we just read verse 3, 1 through 3. Now let's look at verse number 4. And I want you to get this. Verse number 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead and, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, those verses right there, those two verses are packed so full of revelation that this, this is the thing that just began to explode on the inside of me. Now, notice, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. They were framed by the Word of God. These patriarchs of old received a word from God, and as they acted out what God had said by faith, it says that they set some things in order and they, by their faith, repaired some things and restored some things. Now, get this. He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And if we go on down and read through the 11th chapter, we get to the end of the 11th chapter, and we'll, we'll go there in a little bit, but uh, um, we get to the end of the 11th chapter. It says, all of these died in faith, not having received the promise. Not having received the promise. 
And then it tells us that God has something better in store for us. Hallelujah. Now, let's, let's get this. Let's, let's begin to look at these Hall of Fame members. Praise God. Hall of Faith members. I want us to look at the very, the, at the first three people mentioned in the Hall of Faith. One of them was not actually a Hall of Faith member. Two of the three are. But the very first one that he, that he, the very first name he mentions, this name is very important because he also framed something. But it's not what we wanted him to frame. But notice what it says. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. I guess it's the second one, not the first one that he mentioned. Abel is a is a, a Hall of Faith member, but then he says, "By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain." Cain was the one I was saying was not a member of the is the of the Hall of Faith. Um, he says, "By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained." Witness that he was righteous. Now, the very first person I want us to look at is Cain. The reason I put Cain first is because Cain was Adam's firstborn. And Cain framed something that then had to be repaired and restored. All right, so it says that Cain, Adam's firstborn, who is a type you see I, I want you to get this that all all three of these are types and shadows in fact all of these members of the hall of faith are types and shadows and so here it says uh, let me just read what I what I wrote here so that I say this the way I mean to say it okay Cain, Adam's firstborn, who is a type of man from Adam to Christ. Take the, the human race from the time of Adam's fall until Christ. Now, how did man live during that period of time? They lived with the anticipation of a Savior. They lived with, uh, however, the relationship with God was based on their self-effort. Because they, uh, you know, here we come uh, 2,500 years later, and, and we, we encounter a man by the name of Moses who gives us the, the Ten Commandments. The law came, with, uh, the, the law was given by Moses is what the Scripture says, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law came uh, or was given by Moses. Uh, so we, we encounter Moses then. In fact, he is a member of this hall of faith. Um, but notice there that what I'm saying is that Cain represented the human race, fallen man. All right? 
fallen man living without a personal relationship with God. Living in, in such a way that the, they, they endeavor to please God by their works. And so Cain is representative of this. Now, why do I say Cain is representative of this? Why do I say he's a type and shadow of this? Because the scripture tells us that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. What made Abel's more excellent than Cain's? Because Cain offered to the Lord the fruit of the ground. He was a farmer and he offered the fruit of the ground which represented his own toil and his own labor and his own self-effort. He, he tilled the ground and he produced uh, uh, or uh, had crops from the dust of the earth. And so... Therefore, his sacrifice was not accepted by God. Your sacrifice that you make based on your self-effort will not be accepted by God. When you come to God trying to impress him with what you have done and say, God, you know, as, as Cain did, he brought some vegetables and he said, this is what I have produced He's, he said, I have produced this. I grew this. This is the fruit of my labor. And I'm offering this to you as the fruit of my labors. And God did not accept his sacrifice. He does not accept your self-effort. Many people are counting on the day that they stand before the Lord and saying, Lord, well, I did this, and I did this, and this is the fruit of my labor. This is what I did while I was on earth. This is, this is the fruit of my labor. Therefore, you need to let me into heaven. You know... I went to church every time the door was open. I paid my tithes. I was nice to little old ladies and helped them across the street. And, you know, and I did all of these good deeds and these good works. And God is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because we're coming on the basis of our own effort and your sacrifice will be accepted just like Cain's was. But then Abel, the Bible says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. What did Cain, or what did Abel offer that was more excellent than what Cain offered? He came and he brought the blood Of, of a lamb, uh, of an animal. He brought a blood sacrifice to God. And when he offered a blood sacrifice, he, didn't, he wasn't saying, this is my work. He said, this, God, is your work. 
You are the one that gave. The Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. So when he offered the blood, he was offering the life of this animal as a, as a sacrifice to God. He was saying, this is what you did, and I am returning this to you, praise God. And it says that his sacrifice was accepted. Cain then became, so, so let me just say this, that Abel becomes a type and a shadow of those who have come on the basis of the blood of Christ, on the blood of the Lamb. Abel has become symbolic of those who come on the basis of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. It ended up costing Abel his own blood. Jesus shed his own blood. Praise God. But the blood of Jesus, the book of Hebrews tells us the blood of Jesus speaks of better things than that of the blood of Abel. Praise God. Praise God. So that Abel's blood cries out, but the blood of Jesus speaks of better things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we come on the basis of what Jesus did, then we have come and brought an acceptable sacrifice. The only acceptable sacrifice, I might add. Praise God. We have come on the basis of that sacrifice. Then you say, what about Enoch? Enoch was the next one. What is Enoch a type of? Enoch is a type of the raptured church. Because notice what it said about Enoch. By faith, Enoch, verse 5, was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So notice here, Cain framed a period of time. He set the boundaries of a period of time. He set those boundaries, and those boundaries were in place from Adam to Christ. Then Abel frames another period of time. Abel frames a time period from Christ going forward, which is still in place today. He framed that time in which we would come to God on the basis of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the blood that was shed for us at the cross. But now Enoch becomes a type of not just from Christ, but for our exact day today. I believe that we are the generation who will see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Sometimes we forget Jesus said he's coming back. 
Remember when Jesus ascended into heaven after he was raised from the dead? The Bible says that he ascended into heaven and those who were there on the Mount of Olives when he went up and they were watching him go into heaven, the angel came and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? Don't you know that this same Jesus that you see going away, he will return in like manner as you see him go away? He is coming back. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. He said, but I will come again. <coughs> and I will receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Praise God. Enoch is a type of the generation that will watch the Lord return. Praise God. And as I was sitting, as, as I was praying last night, I was sitting and just meditating and going over and praying over these things. I hear the Lord begin to speak to me prophetically. And here's what he said. I want you to hear this today. The Lord said to me, expect to see some unusual lifespans. Expect to see some unusual lifespans. And what he meant by that was people living unusually long lives. Praise God. Remember back in the, in, in the early days of, of, uh, of earth, how that, you know, so-and-so begets so-and-so, and they live to be uh, several hundred years old, and then they beget so-and-so, and then they lived a few more hundred years, and then, you know, and we see people living hundreds of years. In fact, the oldest recorded person on earth was Methuselah, six, uh, 969 years. Praise God that Methuselah lived on the earth. Those were some unusual kind of lifespans, and we begin to see those to begin to diminish. Now, I'm not saying you're going to see somebody live six, 969 years, but I am saying that you're going to begin to see some unusually long lifespans. Praise God. And let, let me go ahead and read what else the Lord said. He said, see uh, some unusual lifespans, and it won't be because of advanced medical technology. It will not be because of advanced medical technology. This will be a supernatural work of God. Hallelujah. And he says, expect to see this as a sign for many who have proven they know what to do with time. They've proven they know what to do with time. They have redeemed the time, and the Lord says, you need some more time. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need some more time. But here's, here's the thing that I, I was hearing in my spirit, that there are many who all they have ever done with the time they have is waste it. Why would God supernaturally intervene and give more time to the person who has only wasted the time they have had? But he said this will be for people who have proven that they know what to do with time. Those who are about kingdom business. Those who are about the business of the kingdom of God. Praise God. This will not ju be just 
length of life. But it will be accompanied by vitality of life. I know, see, some people think, well, I don't want to live that long. You know, I don't want to live to be 100. Because, and the reason they say that is because they're expecting to be all broke down for the last several years of their life. You know, why would you want to live to be 120 if you believe that the last 40 years of that you're going to be broke down? You know, this is why people say, well, I, you know, I, I just want to go on and be with Jesus. Because, first of all, they see that the, that the things of the world, or the things in the world, I should say, are dark. And it, th this world's not a pretty place right now. Let me just say that. It's not a pretty place right now. And when you begin to think about those things, you think, I, I don't want to live that long. You know, I don't want to extend my life period. When you're thinking about being, being broke down in your body so that you you're, are, are in a wheelchair or bed fast or what, and you think about that, many people are thinking, I don't want to live that long. I don't want to spend 40 years of life broken down. But here's what he's saying. He's not talking about being broken down. He is talking about supernatural vitality of life as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and yeah, I want you to grab a hold of these words and purpose in your heart. See, it, this is, I believe this. I believe that I'm still going to have things to do. Hallelujah. You know, I just turned 65 a couple months ago, and I still got stuff to do. I, I'm, not, uh, I, I'm not going out to pasture yet. I, you know, there was a country song that said, I don't need your rocking chair, your Geritol or your Medicare. You know? uh, I, I don't need that, praise God, because I intend to receive supernatural vitality of life to continue to go on. I encourage you, determine in your heart that I will be one of those that proves they know what to do with time, praise God, and receive supernatural strength in your body. You know, some people say, well, the Bible promised us 70 years. No, it didn't. Somebody else said, well, it promised me 120. I'll tell you, the 120, that was given to Noah when he's getting ready to build the ark. God's given him instruction to build the ark, and he says, your day, man's days will be 120 years. He said, in 120 years, I'm going to send rain upon the earth. I'm going to send a flood upon the earth, and we're going to destroy the, this creation of, of men that have become so corrupted in their in their generations, is what the scripture says. So they have become so corrupted in their generations, we're going to destroy this. And, and I'm giving you fair warning, it is going to be 120 years. You get the ark built, if, you're, if you decide to start on it in year 118, you're going to be in sad trouble. So you better start on it now, because he's building this ark with hand tools. And, you know, and, and so... We, we see uh, 
they says 120 years, but you say, well, okay, so how long are we supposed to live? Here's what Psalm 119 says. It says, for with long life will I satisfy him. With long life will I satisfy him. Many people become satisfied at about 75 because they're starting to get broke down. They're satisfied with, well, I've lived long enough. But what if you've got a supernatural influx inflow of the Spirit of God that is giving supernatural vitality to you, do you think maybe you might not be satisfied at that age anymore? Do you think you might not be satisfied when you hit 120? Praise God. See, I don't see an age limit in scriptures. Praise God. I'm not shooting for 70. I'm not shooting for 120. I'm shooting for satisfaction. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, I believe this is by the Spirit of God that we're going to see supernatural extended lifetimes, praise God. And don't look at your current condition and say, well, I'm almost done. Don't look at that and think, well, I'm, I'm almost satisfied. I, I'm done with this. Don't look at that, but be those who prove you know what to do. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Praise God. And I think we need to get a revelation of that today so that we stop thinking, well, I'm in the golden age of my life and I'm going to be going home here soon. Jesus, I'll see you in just a few years. No, begin to think, I have work to do here on this earth. I have a job to do. God created you to rule and to reign on this earth. Hey, and he will have what he spoke. He will have what he declared. He declared the end from the beginning. Praise God. And when we're talking about faith, these heroes of faith, they framed this. Notice what Enoch framed. It says that before he was caught up, before God took him away, he obtained this testimony that he pleased God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He obtained this testimony that he pleased God. And then the very next verse says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So therefore, Enoch, by faith, he framed our time in history. He became a type and shadow, and he framed our time in history that we will be the generation who will see the Lord return, but before then, before then, we will obtain the testimony that we please God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we didn't please God by Cain's sacrifice, self-effort. We please God by Abel's sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So do you see, I'd never seen this in looking at the hall of fame of faith. But here's what the Lord went on and he said. He said, this will not 
be just length of life, but will be accompanied by vitality of life, that it might be fulfilled, which was written by the prophet Isaiah, saying, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. He says it will be a fulfillment of what Isaiah spoke. They would mount up with wings like eagles. They would run and not be weary. They would walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Supernaturally extended life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Enoch, before he was caught up, obtained the testimony that he pleased God. Hallelujah. Now, you say, well, how, how does that fit in with other scriptures? Because we should never just read one scripture and say this is the way it is. Because the Bible tells us the, the same Bible that gave us that scripture also said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So let's establish it in the mouth of another witness. In Acts chapter 3, I mean, remember that, that Acts chapter 2 tells us of the day of Pentecost and how that Peter stood up and he preached on the day of Pentecost. Well, just, we, we don't know how many days later. It sounds like it's the next day. Maybe it was. I don't know. But anyway, right after the very next chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Acts, it tells us this, that Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And when they went up there, they encountered a lame man sitting at the beautiful gate. And it says that he was begging alms and they, that he looked upon them expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said this, he said, silver and gold, I don't have any silver and gold. He said, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And he raised him up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Praise God. And then they get called on the carpet because of what they had done. They did this to Jesus. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So we already see it at the very beginning of the church that uh, of this church age that Peter and John began to function in this signs and wonders like Jesus did. They raised up this lame man. He went walking and leaping and praising God. And they're called on the carpet for that. And they're told not to preach in this name anymore and, and, and all of this. But Peter preached another sermon. Hallelujah. And notice what he says in Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. He said, repent, change your mind, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out 
so that times of refreshing, get this, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And then he says that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. And then notice verse 21. Whom heaven must receive until when? Until things get so bad on the earth that you just can't make it anymore. Is that what he said? He says heaven must receive him until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since, since when? Since the world began. What did he speak when the world began? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Praise God. That's what he spoke from the beginning of, of the creation of man. He declared that. And now Peter says, he says, there is coming. Jesus will stay in heaven until the times of restoration of all things. Enoch obtained the testimony that he pleased God before he was caught up. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is coming, there is coming the restoration. There is coming the restoration. God has always done everything he has done when it could no longer be denied that it was God. Hallelujah. You see, if, I, I got to tell you that if, Everything right right now in our, our environment in this world today, right now, if there was to be the restoration of all things, now I'm not talking about the, the authority of man, but I'm talking about if, if suddenly our economy's good, suddenly people are living long, suddenly people are prospering, certain people are doing, you know, and living, I tell you, the, the Democrats and the Republicans would be fighting over who gets credit for it. But God does things when it can no longer be denied that it was God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is coming a restoration. I prophesied this years ago that God was doing a surgical procedure. And when you do a surgical procedure, you remove the things that are causing the pain. We see, but, but in order to remove those things, they first have to be exposed. You first got to know they're there. This is why they want to check out before they do surgery on you and see what they're looking at and see what they're going to be dealing with. Praise God.
God is doing a surgical procedure. So when you see corruption coming to the forefront, that just means God's identifying what's got to come out. Praise God. When you begin to see things coming to the forefront that, that are, are uh, uh, corrupt, and you begin to see corruption being exposed everywhere you look, you know, when I prophesied this, I expected it to be a short thing. I really did. But the further we go, the more I begin to see that, that I, I, if I had said that, I would have missed that. Because it has been a long, drawn-out process. And not in the whole scheme of things, no. But, but in, in our finite time, we see the corruption of things is drawn out. And every time we think, well, this has got to be, you know, it's got to be over now. Something else, something else is exposed. But you've got to expose things before they can be removed. Praise God. Praise God. God does things in such a way that God and God alone can receive credit for it. Praise God. Praise God. Now, we did pay the electric bill. <laughs> uh, I got proof the rest of the lights are on. It's just these up here that, that are going off and on. Praise God. Notice God said he declares the end from the beginning, and then he says, this is Isaiah 46, verse 10. He says he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. I will do all my pleasure. Now, Go to Hebrews 11, verse 39. Talk about all these Hall of Faith members. All these, having obtained a good testimony, did not receive the promise. And notice the word the. That's an important word here. So they did not receive the promise. They obtained promises. We're told that. They obtained promises. By faith, they obtained promises. Their faith wasn't just in vain, but there was one singular promise that they did not receive. And they died in faith looking forward to something that was to come. Praise God. Then he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. Verse 40, God having provided something better for us. They saw what we're talking about, but they didn't walk in it. But they saw it as, a, as if afar off. Praise God. Do you realize that when it talks about Moses, it said that by faith Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for 
He esteemed the riches of Christ greater treasure than the treasures of Egypt. Now, I thought it was strange that Moses, who died 1,500 years before Christ, it says he esteemed the riches of Christ. He considered the riches of Christ, or, or the reproach of Christ, not the riches. He, he considered the reproach of Christ to be greater riches, greater treasure than the treasures of Egypt. How was he considering the riches of Christ when Christ had not yet come? He saw it afar off. In fact, the very next verse tells us that. He saw it. He saw that which is invisible. That's what the scripture tells us. He saw that which is invisible. So these heroes of faith, they framed our day and age. What were the things that they did? The, the, it says that, that women received their dead back to life. They were framing ages of time. So, that tells me that we should expect to see dead back to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, but we also, some of them endured great persecution. I wish they hadn't framed that, but they did. So, with that in mind... Don't be surprised when you're persecuted for the cause of Christ because they framed our generation. By the things they did, by the things they accomplished, you know, all the signs of wonders and miracles and the things that these Hall of Fame of Faith members accomplished by faith you can expect to see these things in our day. Hallelujah. Now, they obtained promises, but they did not receive the promise. What is the promise that they did not receive? It is the very first promise ever spoken. Let man have dominion. Let man have dominion. Then in chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse number 1, here's what it says. You say, well, well, Pastor, you're going to have to prove that's the promise that we're talking about. All right? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains. They didn't receive it, remember? So it remains of entering his rest. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. There is a promise that remains of entering rest. Now, let's go on and read verse number 9. 
of the fourth chapter. It says, there remains therefore a rest, here it qualifies this, for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. And then it says in verse 10, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. Now notice this. I did not say that there would be rest for the earth. I did not say this world's just going to be a better place. Things are just going to get better and better and better. That's not what I said. I said there's a rest for the people of God. How are you going to enter that rest? Did not the, the psalmist say in the 23rd Psalm, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? Praise God. There is a rest that remains for the people of God in the presence of our enemies. Hallelujah. You're going to be hated. You're going to be despised. But just like the heroes of faith, just like Daniel when he was thrown into the lion's den, that he walked out of the lion's den. Praise God. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Steve asked me about the question about this just this morning. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Jesus joined them in the fiery furnace, and they walked out of the fiery furnace alive, not even smelling like smoke. Praise God. This is the kind of things that, that we're going to see in our time because they have been framed by the heroes of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been framed by them. Been set in order by them. But there remains a rest for the people of God. Did Jesus walk in rest? I believe he did. Jesus wasn't stressing out when he was on earth. You know, but what happened when they tried to throw him over a cliff? He just walked right through their midst. He had some enemies. What happened when his friend Lazarus died? He stood at the grave and he yelled, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave still bound in grave clothes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was an example to us of how to live in rest. But Jesus never showed us how to live apart from persecution. Jesus was, consider, was, was constantly being persecuted. They came and tried to trap him in his words, and he always had a supernatural answer for them. Praise God. That put them to shame, and they had to duck their heads and leave. This is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that all of a sudden 
the world's economy is uh, is miraculously fixed, and the whole world's doing good, and life's just peachy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about learning to live as a conqueror and live with dominion and rest in hard times, in trying times. Pastor Jason talks about this, uh, you know, uh, about Jesus being asleep in the boat. When the disciples were freaking out because of the, uh, of the storm, Jesus was asleep. They had to go wake him up. He was in the same storm they were in. He was sleeping because he was at rest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you can't learn to rest in him, then you're not going to rest. That's the only way you're going to rest is rest in him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he says that God had reserved something for us. Why did these heroes of faith not walk in everything they framed? Why did they not receive the promise? Because God reserved something for us that they should not be, uses the word, perfected. We've been talking a lot about that, that they should not walk into this maturity apart from us. It was something that was reserved for you and I for this day and this time. And I've been telling you that we are about to see the glory of the Lord hit planet Earth like we have never seen, like, like the earth has never seen before. Praise God. Praise God. And the Lord just keeps opening this up and keeps showing me more and more and more. Hallelujah. Don't expect... See, here's where, here's where Christians miss it a lot of times. If we can just elect the right people, your answer does not come from Washington, D.C. or Santa Fe, New Mexico or City Hall. Your answer comes from Jesus and resting in him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Should we elect the right people? Well, we certainly ought to try to. You know. But you know what? I'm going to rest even if we don't. Praise God. I'm going to rest. And then, notice this. You can, be, you can avoid discouragement by realizing that Jesus was perfected through sufferings. I talked to you about this. So don't be surprised if there are some suffering. He said that if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 Verse number 11 says, Now no chastening seems joyous for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness 
by those who have been trained by it. So there is a peaceable fruit that comes when you endure temptation, when you endure persecutions, when you endure these things, there comes a peaceable fruit as a result of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then, jump to Hebrews 12. Let's close with this. You have not come to Mount, or you have come, excuse me, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to the God of the judge of all ages, uh, uh, to to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the just men made perfect. Hallelujah. Just men made perfect. You have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, calls them just men having been made perfect, having been matured, having been completed. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you this world is not going to get better. This world is getting darker and darker and darker. But if you are in Christ, hallelujah, if you are in Christ, there remains a promise of rest for you. How do you get in Christ? Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes Unto, with, with the mouth, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So today, I'd like to pray this prayer, and I'd like you to join me. I'd like everyone to join me in praying this prayer. And if you pray this and you mean what you're saying, If you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, died on a cross, and paid the penalty for all of your sins, and that God raised him from the dead so you could have new life, praise God, then if you will do that one more thing and just acknowledge he is your Lord, your personal Lord and Savior, then the Bible says you will be saved. So let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid the penalty for all of my sins, and that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today, I choose Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. I trust you, Jesus, with my salvation. Thank you for saving me. Amen.